Amen. Everybody, please be seated. Mason, thank you for reading the Scripture for us this morning. If you would, turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2. You can go also online with your device as well. That's where we're going to be parked this morning. We're going to spend a lot of time in the first ten verses of Ephesians. And I'm excited to share a message this morning that, that really speaks to me personally. Before I jump into the message, you know, it's always good to start with a, a silly story. Um, when I was in high school, I had the privilege of working at Fruit of the Loom. Um, you may not know that uh, about me, but um, my mom uh, worked for about 20 years. In fact, I think they called it Union Underwear, but it was Fruit of the Loom. Uh, my mom worked at Fruit of the Loom for about 20 years, and so in one summer she got me a job working at Fruit of the Loom. I was very proud of it. I worked about 50 hours a week through the summer. I got up with my mom at 5 a.m. We rode in together. We went to work. Um, it was really a great experience. I think ever since then I've had trouble sleeping very late. It's like it, it, it made me get used to waking up that early. But I went in, and my first job there at Fruit of the Loon, I was a shipping pallet organizer. So what I did is when the boxes would come off, I would stack them up. And, and I'm a little OCD, so I would get like all the corners good. And then I had this massive roll of saran wrap. And I would go around and I would wrap those shipping pallets. I mean, I, I was dreaming about using that to saran wrap the youth minister's car, but I would, I would go around those pallets, get those things done. Well, my, my mom ran the shipping machine. She would put the labels on and stuff. Uh, but my boss kind of noticed that I was a little OCD. And he thought, well, maybe I can use them somewhere else. And so then I got to package underwear in boxes. Like I would put them inside the box. And I remember specifically Power Ranger underwear. Uh, but I had these little kids' underwear, and they would come in the packages, and I would put them in the boxes, and I would get them taped up. They would look really, really nice. Well, the boss thought, well, he's doing a pretty good job with this. How about we let him get the, get the warehouse organized and clean? So I'm talking like a 30,000-foot a, a warehouse. He gave me about five or six people that got to work with me. Um, that I kind of got to boss around a little bit. My head was getting kind of big. I was making like $9 an hour at this point instead of the seven, maybe it was like five fifteen an hour or something. Anyway, I was making about $9 an hour. I was excited about that. And so I go and I'm organizing and, and cleaning and I got to get on a little forklift when nobody was looking and move things. And uh, you know, everything was going great. I had this cool position. I was a high school student. And then one day, my boss asked me to take the truck, which we had this truck, and we had a storage building that was down the hill. He asked me to take the truck and go get basically some more inventory to bring back up to, to put into the warehouse. Well, I got in the truck, and it was a cool truck. It had big tires. I was excited about that. I uh, went down into the parking lot of this uh, storage facility, and, and it was a gravel parking lot. And I was in a big truck. So what did I do? I did donuts. Yeah, I, I was excited. So, so here I am just doing donuts in the parking lot. And sure enough, here comes my boss down the hill in a different car. And I was quickly put back at the end of the line, wrapping the boxes. I, did, I didn't lose my raise, though. Like, my check was still the same, so that was kind of good. I got really distracted. It's like I got, I got excited. I kind of moved in this position. I was excited about it. And then I got distracted by this little bit of power 
that, that I had attained. I, I really believe that Satan has distracted us as Christians in a way. It may be with, with COVID, it may be with um, maybe our jobs, our work, and what we do. It may just be society in general. But we have forgotten our position in Christ. We have forgotten that, that God loves us enough to put us in this position that we have with Him. In fact, we are alive in Christ. That is, that's, that's an amazing position to be in. I don't know if you've ever really thought about it that much. Our spiritual position in Christ, we're raised and we're seated with Christ. We no, we're no longer foreigners or strangers, but we're fellow citizens with one another. And, and not only are we citizens, but we have access to God. That's crazy. I mean, when you really think about it, we have one who is able to, to sympathize with what we go through in, in the person of Jesus, and that we're able to have access to God. We're able to talk through and to Him. It doesn't matter, Romans tells us, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, a male or a female or slave or free. It doesn't matter if, you know, the video Goyo showed, it doesn't matter if you have a deformity. It doesn't matter what your social status is. It doesn't matter if, if you're the lowest person on the totem pole. Every single person, if you are in Christ, you have access to be made alive, to be alive in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17, one of my absolute favorite verses in Scripture. If anyone, anyone, doesn't matter who they are, it doesn't matter if they're right in politics or left in politics, it doesn't matter if you know, they, they work at Walmart or they own the Walmart, anyone, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone and the new is here. Now, to really appreciate that, to appreciate this, this position that we have in Christ, I want to take a little bit of time in Ephesians and talk about where our position was in the kind of prior to Christ. So, in your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to look at sin's work against us. Because sin is, is working against us. It wants to pull us out of this position and it distracts us quite a bit. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, it says... As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. I kind of uh, debated whether or not I would share this, but I am a big fan of The Walking Dead, the TV show The Walking Dead. Now, now there's a lot of analogy that can be pulled into that. Now, a few years ago, we actually had a theme at a youth rally that was called The Walking Dead. And sometimes I think as Christians, we were kind of like that. It's like we've been alive in Christ, but we're just walking around aimlessly. We're walking around dead. And, and, and here Paul is specifically talking about spirituality, being spiritually dead. Spiritually dead people, like Chuck just shared a few minutes ago, it's always interesting to me how the communion person and, and you know just the way everything falls into place and messages overlap with one another. But he talked about, you know, have your spiritual ears, you know, be able to listen to what's being said. Spiritually dead people, I think, are unable to understand and appreciate spiritual things. 
And so with all the distractions that go on, sometimes we can't see that. And so when we're dead in our transgressions, when we're dead in our sins, we're unable to recognize those things. I like this quote here from, uh, I'm going to say the name wrong, it's Wearsby, I think, Warren Wearsby. It says, the unbeliever is not sick. The unbeliever is not sick. He is dead. He does not need resuscitation. He needs resurrection. One corpse cannot be more dead than another. And so it's a, it's a permanent state of death that we find ourselves in. This means that really our world is a vast graveyard of people who are spiritually dead, filled with people that think they're alive but have not come into a relationship with God and are really spiritually dead. And, and, and why is it that so many are dead? Let's, let's keep reading here. Ephesians 2 verses, uh, look, just going on past that. Dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways. Now, there's, there's three different things that people are following. They follow the ways of the world and of the ruler of the kingdom of air and the spirit who is now in work now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of the flesh and following the desires and thoughts. This was the beginning of our death, our spiritual death. It was disobedience. Think about Adam and Eve in the garden. You know, God told them, you know, do not eat of this tree the tree of knowledge of good and evil, because if you eat from it, surely you will die. Then a, a chapter later, in chapter 3, here comes Satan into the picture, and what's he say? He says, you're not going to die, but what are you going to do? You're going to be like God. You're going to know the difference between good and evil. And ever since that, ever since that sin, it was immediate spiritual death that eventually led to physical death for Adam and Eve. And then since that time... Mankind in general has lived in disobedience to God. And it's because of these three things that we live in disobedience to God. Because there is this pressure from the world. It is a pressure to conform. Romans 12 talks about this. You know, Paul says, Do not conform to the power of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know, then you'll be able to attest what God's will is, as good, pleasing, and perfect will. It is that when we refuse to conform to God and we choose to conform to the world, then sin gets a foothold. You know, it's interesting to me that the world has all this pressure on us. Where is the pressure from the church on the world? And when I mean pressure, I mean not um, beating people over the head with a Bible or anything like that. But, but why can't we as a church love people so emphatically and so big that the rest of the world looks around and says, we should do that too. We should, we should follow this example. I mean, love should be the dominating example from our church and from other churches in the world. John chapter 8, verse 23, it says that Jesus was not of this world and neither are his people. But unsaved people, either consciously or unconsciously, are controlled by the values and attitudes of this world. And so are saved people. 
and recognizing those things are important. Another reason we're disobedient is just the devil. Now, now Satan does not personally work in the lives of each individual. Uh, you know, he's not omnipresent. He's not able to be in all places at all times. But later on in Ephesians, Paul's going to talk about this in Ephesians 6 when he talks about taking up the armor of God. In verse 12 he says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it is against the, the powers of this dark world. So there is this spiritual battle that's going on. And it's a battle that I think in a lot of cases he uses that initial, that initial tactic. The chief weapon of, of lying. And when Satan lies to us, I think that a lot of times we, we get complacent. We get kind of lazy. I, I think one of the big lies in American culture is if you go to church, you're good. You know, you, you go to church on Sunday, check, I'm good, I'm going to heaven. I don't really have to talk about it through the week. I don't have to be in the Word through the week. I don't have to pray through the week. I think that's a huge lie that Satan works with in the church. I love when, when we came back for the first time kind of after the pandemic. And if you guys remember this, we'll see. We'll get, Whit, Whit said he's going to be watching online today. We'll see if, he, uh, if you guys remembered his, uh, his saying. He said, we are the church and, and the church is never closed. You know, that, that, is, that is so true. That needs to be our attitude. Is that even though... We come to church on Sunday, we can't get complacent in that. We have to keep working for the Lord. And then this last one, following the flesh, I always like to call it the self-flesh, uh, because in a lot of ways it's selfishness. It's, the, it, it's our nature. The flesh is talking about our nature, our nature to protect ourselves, to provide for ourselves. When Scripture is so contrary to that, in John chapter 15, you may be familiar with this verse. It says, no greater love than this, than someone to lay down their life for their friends. That is so contrary to what the flesh desires. The flesh wants what's good for the flesh. And we have to battle against that. All right, let's keep reading here. In Ephesians chapter 2 verse 3, all of us who lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts, like the rest, were by nature deserving of wrath. And so because of all these things, because of our sins and our transgressions and we follow the world, God who is holy and just and, and we cannot be in His presence, we were deserving, deserving of wrath. We in essence were doomed. And so this is sin's work against us. Okay? We were dead we were disobedient, and we were doomed. Romans 3.23 says that all sin and fall short of the glory of God. God is set apart, and this is where God, at this point, goes to work for us. And so this next half of this chapter, or these next few verses down to verse 10, is all about God going to work for us. The focus is now off of us, and it's on to God. Let's look at Ephesians 4, I'm sorry, Ephesians 2, verses 4 through 6. Go back. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. 
Even when we were dead in our transgressions, He loved us first. It is by grace you have been saved, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. First of all, God loved us, and He loved us first. Uh, many theologians, they talk about this, they say it's His very nature to love. And so even if there were no sinners, even if there were no people, God would still be love because that is His nature. And ultimately, John 3.16, we know that He displayed His love. So His, His love comes out through the acts of mercy and grace. That's how He demonstrates it. And He did that on the cross. Next He says that we are, we are made alive. And I love right after that, it says, even, even when we were dead in our transgressions, we were made alive. And he accomplished this really through the power of his spirit, through the word. If you look back uh, through the gospels, you'll find three instances where Jesus raised somebody from the dead, a physical resurrection. Uh, it was uh, Jairus' daughter, the widow's son, and Lazarus. Now, in each of these cases, he spoke the word. Now, in John, First uh, John, we find out that Jesus was the word. And, and so he speaks this word, and the word gave life. Hebrews 4 and verse 12, it says that the word of God is living and active. And it's powerful. And these three physical resurrections, as we look at those, those are all pictures of of what a spiritual resurrection looks like. When a sinner comes and hears the word of God and believes. Because now at this point, if they're in Christ, the old is gone and the new has come. And not only has he, has he loved us, has he made us alive, but he also, he's, he's kind of relocated us in a way. He's given us a seat at the table in a sense. We were not raised from the dead and just left in a graveyard. It's like, all right, you're alive, you're good. But because we are united with Christ, we're not only raised from the dead, but we're raised and we're seated with Him. There's a lot of power in that. Um, earlier in chapter 1, it says that, that Christians have the same power that Jesus Christ, uh, the same power in us through His Spirit, that God used to raise Jesus from the dead, when that Holy Spirit comes and lives in us. You know, our physical body may be here on earth, but really our citizenship is in heaven. We, we, we are citizens of heaven, and that should make us alive. It should make us excited about sharing our faith. So this is God's work for us. He loves us. He makes us alive. He relocates us. Sin worked against us. God worked for us. And now the power of God, now that He worked for us and we believe in Him, now that power is going to work in us and through us. And so now it's our turn. It's not like, man, I've been saved. Now all I have to do is come to church on Sunday. You know, maybe go, go on Wednesday night. If I'm a super Christian, I'll join a small group. Um, I, I remember joking a little bit about when I, when I first started attending church, 
Erin uh, asked me to go to church with her. We were dating in high school. And, you know, I liked Erin a lot. I mean, a lot. I was even going to church on Sunday nights. I mean, I was committed. But that, that's kind of how we, we value or, or we measure our Christianity, church attendance. Like how much, how much we go. And that's important. I mean, it's important for us to be together. The fellowship of believers is, is, is really important. But man, God has made us alive. He's made us to go and, and be in this world and to daily, daily live for Him. Ephesians 2 and verse 7. In order that in the coming ages He might show the incomparable riches of His grace expressing His kindness to us in Christ Jesus, that He might show. We are kind of on the world stage in a sense. People look at us as Christians, and they watch us. They watch us really closely. They really want to see what we're doing and how we're reacting to things, how we react to things like pandemics, or how we react um, to, to even the passing of a loved one. And they see in us and they, they think, well, is there anything different? Is there anything different about them because they're a Christian or they just receive it and deal with it the same way everybody else does? People are watching us. And God wants to show what grace and mercy looks like through our lives as we're going out. Salvation is a, is a gift. It's not a reward. A lot of times we, we, we tend to work for it instead of work out of it. You know, when Jesus died and the, the temple veil was torn in two, it means it was open. Jesus' death opened up our ability to come into relationship with Him. Verse 8, For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork. Some versions say workmanship, whereas handiwork, whereas workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now our salvation is not by works. We are not saved by good works, but saved to do good works. A lot of times we, we get that backwards. Uh, the word here in the original language for workmanship is the same word that is used in, in English for poem, poema. We are God's poem. He created each of us individually. And each of us individually have different gifts and different skills, different abilities. But they are all abilities that God has given us. And he is excited to see his living poems out there in the world. We are not saved by our good works, but we are saved to do good works. John Calvin, you guys may be familiar with him, one of the kind of restoration movement guys here. It is faith alone that justifies, but faith that justifies can never be alone. Again, God has called us to be active. He's called us to be alive. He's called us to go out and to love people. I always say of my children that Abby um, is my Matthew 5.16 girl. 
Let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Uh, I, I brag on her sometimes about this. And, and all my kids, it's been amazing to me. I'll go to school for, for something, you know, a, an academic thing, or I'll go there for a teacher's meeting. Um, my, my kids make good grades. They, they, do, they do fine in school. But that's typically not the thing that a teacher says to me about one of my children, which is so cool. Um, Abby, I think there were, in the middle school, we went for a parent-teacher thing one night, and a teacher that she didn't even have saw us walking with her, grabbed us, and, and said, hey, I just want you to know your daughter is awesome. Like, she is a light when she walks down this hallway. She is talking and loving on everybody as she goes down the hallway. Didn't even, it's not even a teacher she had. But they were seeing what she's, I'm embarrassing her a little bit, um, let your light shine, not, and, and that's not to pat Abby on the back, I'm very proud of her, but it's, it's to the glory of God. It's God working through her. 1 Peter 2.12, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits. Our good works are evidence that we are alive in Christ. Sin worked against us. God worked for us. Before we did anything, he went to work for us, which is amazing in itself. And today, God needs to be the one working in us and through us. I'm going to go ahead and ask our elders, if you would, to start making your way to the front. And I, and I want to leave everybody just with a, a few questions as we get ready and get into prayer time. Are you still walking around in a graveyard of sin, distracted and lied to by the world and Satan? Remember, remember this. As a Christian, you have been raised and seated with Christ. And if that's the truth, then practice that position. Live like that, because you should have all the confidence in the world. If you're not in Christ, if you haven't made a commitment to him, maybe, maybe it's time to get buried. Maybe it's time to be baptized. Maybe it's time to hand your life over to him so that you can be raised into that position with Christ. Whatever need you have this morning, I know our elders will be up front here. I would encourage you to come pray with them to talk to them about your faith, to, even if you don't come and talk to an elder, but to find maybe someone close to you, maybe an accountability partner, that's going to say, hey, help me live like I'm alive and not just walk around like I'm dead. Help me to live for Christ. So whatever you need you have, uh, come as together we stand.